Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is a podcast where I review a comic book, new or old, from my collection and rate it on the following factors. The cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. This week I'm reading The Amazing Spider-Man number 300, published by Marvel Comics in 1988. First of all, a little background information as usual. Yes, this is the famous Amazing Spider-Man number 300, the first full appearance of Venom, but we'll get to that soon enough. My personal history with this book is that I have an original copy that I bought way back in 1988 when I was first reading and collecting comics. I started with Amazing Spider-Man number 293, actually Web of Spider-Man number 32, the whole Kraven's Last Hunt, and I've told that story over and over throughout the podcast. But suffice it to say, I started reading Spider-Man in 87, and then in 88, May 88, issue 300 was published. I was shocked to buy it at $1.50, because comics had been 75 cents at that time, and I know a lot of other comic fans are used to when comics were 10 cents. 75 cents. That was my age when it was all 75 cents, although that only really lasted a short amount of time, right? From 87 to 88, and then they were $1.50. Well, this is a big anniversary, 25th anniversary comic all about Spider-Man. And nowadays it's a pretty valuable book. So I've had my copy, my direct edition copy, that I bought most likely at Omni Comics in Imperial Beach since 1988. It's always been part of my collection. It's not in the best condition. I would say it's like a 5.5 or something. I don't know. I've never been good at grading uh, comics, especially those that I've had for over 30 years. And I would marvel at how the price of this would go higher and higher. And at one point, this was a $100 book. Now, my copy might have been worth like $15 when it was worth $100 in near mint. Again, I'm not good at the ratings of it, but, you know, there's no pieces missing, but the spine is rolled, the paper is a little yellowed, there's a few imperfections on the cover in terms of I probably stacked other things on top of it, and there's, like, gouges, nothing going through the cover, but, you know, you can see the indentations on the cover. But it's my original Amazing Spider-Man number 300 from 1988, and actually it's signed by Jim Salakrup the editor of the book at the time. I got him to sign it at a Comic-Con one time, a San Diego Comic-Con in the late 90s, I'm sure. Not CGC certified, so you gotta believe me, it was Jim Salakrup. So it's one of the crowning jewels of my collection. Well, this jewel now has a twin. Through some sort of funds that I acquired somehow... I think you might have gotten these funds as well if you live in the U.S. in the year 2020. So somehow I got money and I thought, hey, why don't I get a more pristine copy of this book? It's never going to go down in price. It's valuable for so many reasons, for the memories, for the character, for the plot, for its age. And I thought, well, I've got a, I've got a little cash that fell off a truck. And so I looked on eBay and I spent a few days kind of researching the prices. And I eventually found a newsstand edition 
that I negotiated $25 off. And I was very happy for that. Actually, someone that apparently lived really close in town, one zip code away, actually. And I got it right away in the mail, and I just opened it, and I thought, today's new comic book day. Comic shops are having a tough time at the moment. And you see that hashtag, instead of new comic book day, new to you comic book day. So I thought I'd jump in on that and talk about The Amazing Spider-Man number 300, Newsstand Edition. So, throughout the history of comics, comics have been sold at the newsstands, where newspapers were sold and magazines, and they could get very easily beat up. If you didn't get the comic that particular week, that particular day, it was gone. They had to constantly churn through and put new periodicals. That's how comics had existed since the 30s, basically to the 70s. Under that model, comics were returnable. If a newsstand didn't sell a comic, they can return it for a credit or reimbursement back to the publisher. And that model worked for a long time. The big problem, of course, were back issues. Comic books were such a disposable form of entertainment printed on cheap newspaper that would fall apart, especially in a young kid's hands full of candy and spittle, that older comics would just disintegrate. The youngsters that grew up with comics eventually had nostalgic pangs for their old comics and wanted to acquire these collectibles. Which was hard to do because who had back issues? Just those wackos, those illiterates that were reading comics back in the back in the 50s. I gotta have my buddy Ed Sherman on, former comic shop owner, to talk all about the good old days of comics back when you were labeled it an illiterate degenerate if you were into comics. Anyway, so many collectors wanted a different model where they could more easily get the back issues that they craved. And through a really long history with a lot of important names that I'm, that I'm blanking on at the moment, the direct market was born in the 70s, where a specialized comic shop would have a deal with the distributors to get X number of comics that were non-returnable. So that was a big difference there. You bought 10 copies of whatever comic, you had to sell them or have a loss. Well, no problem. Maybe someone didn't buy it that particular week, so you'd put it in the back issue bins and someone would eventually buy it. Or better yet, when more nostalgic collectors got in the market, you could raise the price a little bit to make even more money off of that older, more sought-after book. I remember in the 80s, you could still buy a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 for... What was it? Like, I've seen it, like, less, definitely less than $1,000. Wow, $1,000 for a comic. Yeah, try to get Amazing Fantasy 15 now for less than $500,000. But these specialty shops were the place that you needed to go to get your pull list fulfilled. You could have a deal with the comic shop to always get you a copy of XYZ Comics to always have a copy. They also would then sell supplies, bags and boards to keep them nice and straight in pristine condition for rereading throughout the years. And of course the back issues. So these specialty comic shops started to spring up in the 70s. This was the direct market. So publishers started to create two versions of the comic. 
a new stand edition that was returnable, and a direct edition that was not returnable. They had to be differentiated so that some shifty individuals wouldn't try to return copies of something that they couldn't return. So in the beginning, for example, Marvel Comics would put a black line strike through the barcode that was on the newsstand edition of their comics. So that was easy to distinguish that, okay, this one wasn't a newsstand edition. This was a direct edition. Check out how the barcode is struck through. And I've got a couple of comics that bear that. Uh, for example, Amazing Spider-Man number 200. I lucked out and bought a copy on eBay that I don't believe the eBay seller knew what they were selling. Because in the 70s, it was more rare to get the direct edition version of a comic book. The one with the barcode struck out. Those were sold at the specialty shops. And again, those were special. You couldn't really find as many of them like newsstands. So in the history of comics, in the 70s and the 80s, the direct edition version of a comic might be more valuable. Sometime in the mid to late 80s, then it started to flip. Specialty comic shops started to be the main mode of distribution. So then you saw the newsstand editions of a comic less. And by the 90s, the newsstand edition of a comic was the more valuable of the two. The newsstand model was on its deathbed by the 2000s with the acceleration of digital comics and a reliance on comic shops. So getting newsstand editions of comics in the year 2000 and forward, now those were the the diamond in the rough. And all good things come to an end, but very recently, I believe in 2018, the very last DC comics that were published at newsstands finished. I managed to pick up the big Batman Catwoman proposal, four copies, from the newsstand before it all shut down. There's still newsstand distribution at Barnes & Noble, for example, and there's None of the big players are there anymore. Marvel isn't there. DC isn't there anymore. Even Bongo Comics, one of the last publishers with Simpsons Comics, they're no longer published to the newsstand. SpongeBob Comics, they finished publishing to the newsstand as well. So there's some like very niche underground indie comics that I see once in a while still at the newsstands. That long reminisce through memory lane is to say that from the 70s and forward up until the just about the 2020s there might be a new stand versus direct edition version of a comic and depending on the year one is more valuable than the other and as i said through my rich uncle sam that uh, sent me a little cash recently i picked up a great copy a great looking copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 300 newsstand edition to complement my Amazing Spider-Man number 300 direct edition. I'm looking at them right now across the room on my shelf. They look amazing. I never would have thought to have two copies of it. To be honest, I'm kind of a cheapskate sometimes. And I thought this this comic's already out of my out of my league. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to pay Back when it was $100, definitely $100 was a huge amount of money to buy this comic. And now that I'm more mature and established, and again, my rich uncle Sammy sent me a, a little cash, I thought, yeah, why not? Let's get a nice copy. Not one of the ones that's worth $500. Not one of the slabbed signature $900 ones. But, you know, a nice-looking 
copy of this classic comic that I've had from my collection that I've had in my collection for years. And wouldn't you know it, it was the newsstand edition. So by 1988, newsstands of course were on the decline. Comic shops were definitely ascending. And there's sort of like an equilibrium at this point, 50-50-ish. I was getting my comics either at 7-Eleven in Imperial Beach or Omni Comics. Eventually exclusively at Omni because they always had the comics in perfect condition. You can have a pull list and so forth. But now in my collection, I have one of each. I've got to do some research. Was there a Canadian price variant? Because that's another variant from that particular time. Canadian variants that were, I think, like 25 cents more or so. There's some real valuable comics that are Canadian price variants throughout the history of comics. For example, Web of Spider-Man number one, Canadian variant is a little bit more valuable than the other ones. Speaking of which, I've also got two copies of that, one newsstand, one direct edition, one that I bought from Caesar Mitchell in like 1992 for $20, where he knew I wanted the book and he kept raising the price. I paid $20 in 1992 or so for Web of Spider-Man number one, where it was not worth that much. And so that was a huge chunk of change that I still resent him charging me for. 30 years later or so, I bought another copy off of eBay. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure I had, again, the direct edition that I bought from Caesar Mitchell, and then I bought the newsstand edition years later. Uh, maybe with the rest of this inheritance that I just fell into, maybe I'll look to see about getting the Canadian price variant of Web of. Uh, you know what, I should also look into getting that Spectacular Spider-Man, a better copy of that one. Spectacular Spider-Man number one. That would be kind of cool. Wow. I am totally using that money for important stuff. Anyway, that's what I'm reading this week. And the podcast episode's already going a little bit long. I didn't even get to the main crux of it about the cover story and all of that. It's all of 5.0. Beautiful cover, classic Todd McFarlane art, Spider-Man in the black costume. Just this is a pose that's been borrowed throughout the decades, cover swiped so many times. Even McFarlane himself has, has borrowed it multiple times on his own Spawn book. And I've seen the Spider-Gwen comic have it, Lady Death, Evil Ernie, so many uh, other publishers have used this cover. Interior art is beautiful. I love the Todd McFarlane art of this age. I know a lot of people are kind of down on it, but he really did give Spidey a great sort of like contortionist's posing and the super detailed webs that he would shoot. Just like drawing so many strands in the webbing. That was cool. The writer is David Michelini. Now is it Michelini or Michelini? I've heard it a couple of ways. And so this introduces... The, this is the first... of. This is the full appearance of Venom, and comic collectors throughout the years have been trying to say, well, actually, his arm was right here ten issues before, and then there's the first cameo at the end of issue 299, which I also have, and then what about, like, Secret Wars number eight, where he actually got the costume, and then now that Deadpool has gone, in, gone into it all, which I totally don't like that retcon of things. 
what's the first appearance, what's the origin, blah, blah, blah. This is the one you want. Amazing Spider-Man 300. It's a 25th anniversary. It's a great story. Spider-Man versus a villain that has all his powers, more strength, and just a pure rage for Peter Parker. The enjoyability of the book is also a five. It's a five. It, it's a it's a five thousand. Because I remember reading this comic when I was ten years old in 1988, and just thinking how amazing the art was and the story in this new villain, and the tremendous battle that happened in the issue. So I've still got my original copy from 1988, and now I've got a brand new pristine copy to add to my collection. This week I read The Amazing Spider-Man number 300, New Stand Edition and Direct Edition, published in 1988 by Marvel Comics. This has been the weekly VM Compost Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.